you're visiting with us this evening, I want to let you know that we are in a series where we're studying the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And I've actually decided to add two more sermons to this series, recognizing that, for one, I haven't even scratched the surface, and two, realizing that even with two more, I still won't have scratched the surface of trying to understand the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Our passage this evening is Romans 8, Romans 8, 26, and 27. And that is 944 in the Pew Bibles. Children, here are your questions for this evening. First, what are the opening words of the Lord's Prayer? Two, how is it possible for sinners to become children of God? And three, if things get really hard in life and we can't find words to say in prayer, who will help us? Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 18. Again, our focus is on verses 26 and 27. This is the word of God. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we, are sa- we were saved. Now hope that is seen as no hope is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. We'll end reading there, reminding us of our verses. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. There ends a reading of God's word. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we thank you so much for your word. And we know that when your word is read, we are hearing from you, but we also know that the impact of your word truly takes effect when your Holy Spirit applies that word. 
to our lives, to our hearts, to our wills, to the very depths of our being. And so, Lord, now as we move from the reading of your word to the preaching of your word, we pray for the ministry of your Holy Spirit in a very special way. Please help the preacher. Please help all of us who will hear this evening just what we need to hear. And may we respond appropriately to your holy word. We come to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wish I could forget, but I will never forget probably the most discouraging, disheartening words I've ever heard in a worship service. It was when an elder got up in front of the congregation, and it was time for the congregation to pray, and he said these words, let us try to pray. Let us try to pray. Found that very painful and very frustrating. It may not seem like a very big deal, but that word try was very difficult for me to hear. Never heard anything like that before. Let us try to pray. I thought Christians could pray. I thought we could just pray. I was kind of confused because Scripture, God through Scripture, invites us to pray. James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It's a bigger context of that for sure, but at least in prayer, there's the promise if we draw near to God, hold, draw near to us. But I felt as though the elder was saying, I can go to pray, try as I might, he might still turn a deaf ear to me. Wasn't one of our elders, by the way, in case you're wondering. It was a long time ago, but I still remember it. And it was almost as if he was coming across as super pious with this heightened sense of humility, our unworthiness, almost as if it was presumptuous to think that we could pray. Maybe it wasn't so much that I couldn't relate to what he was saying, but that I could. Because prayer can be very difficult. Prayer can be hard. For many of us, prayer is difficult. We, we have very distracted minds. I don't say this in any humorous kind of way, but some of us deal with prayer ADHD. We're very distracted. And one moment we can be very focused on a need in prayer, and the next moment our mind is entirely somewhere else. Prayer can be very difficult, But we do need to try to pray, and we need to understand that we can pray. Christians just pray. Distracted as we might be, mumble as we might with our words, muddled as our thoughts may be, fragmented as our thinking might be, we pray. In fact, if you don't pray, that's a very dangerous thing. It's a warning sign. God's people pray. Not only that, Christians should pray with confidence. Maybe we can't articulate what we want to articulate. Maybe we're short on words. Maybe we struggle. But we need to pray. And we need to discipline ourselves to pray. The more we pray, I know this is true, the more we pray the more prayer will come to us, the more easily prayer will come to us. Tonight is not a message about needing to ease up 
on the discipline of prayer, we need to do that. But tonight is about encouraging you in prayer. Two simple points that I'll explain further. One is that, that in Christ, we have the right to pray. And two, that even when we struggle with our prayers, there's a constant ministry of prayer through the Holy Spirit on our behalf. First of all, what is prayer? Simply said, prayer is communicating with the one God who condescends in his love to hear our prayers. Prayer is a wonderful thing. It's a tremendous privilege. To know that God is attuned to our prayers is an amazing thing. And prayer always has to do with our relationship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Octavius Winslow, an English preacher from the 1800s, puts it this way, and I just love the way he writes. Prayer is one of the most spiritual employments that can possibly engage the mind. It is that holy act of the souls which brings it immediately in contact with the holy God. It has more directly to do with the high and lofty one than any other exercise. It is that state of mind, too, that most deeply acknowledges its dependence upon God. Prayer is the expression of want, the desire of need, the acknowledgement of poverty, the language of dependence, the breathing of a soul that has nothing in itself but hangs on God for all it wants. It must, therefore, be a highly spiritual exercise. But this will appear still more so if we consider that true prayer is the breathing of the life of God in the soul of man. It is the spirit dwelling and breathing in him. That's a powerful expression of what prayer is. We have the right to pray to God only because of what Christ has done. We need to consider the very personal family element of prayer, that the Father, the Father condescends to hear us and invites us into his presence, that the Son, the Son makes the way for us to have access to the Father, but he also invites us to pray to his Father. And then the Holy Spirit of adoption at work in us allows us to come into his presence and pray, saying, Abba, Father. You see, it's a child's prayer. It's a child's prayer. We, in Christ, if we're in Christ, are children of God. And it really should be very simple communication with our Heavenly Father. We have to have the right picture of God as our perfect, loving Father. He's the one to whom we pray through Christ with the help of the Holy Spirit. But think about our own children if they come to us with a request. Unless they're some kind of odd prodigy, they probably don't come with a written petition filled with legal ease to ask us for what they want. They probably don't come with a written grant proposal knowing just what wording to use to get funding to get what they want. It's much more simple than that. It's simple expression of a child to the father. Expressing needs, admitting, even admitting wrong, I did this. Concerns of life, concerns for others. Listen to children who know how to pray, listen to them pray. 
A child concerned about the big, scary things in the world comes very simply to God. And God hears our prayers. To our amazement, we have the right to come to a, an infinite God when we and ourselves are finite. And it's all through the Son. Again, he came to reconcile us to the Father, the only begotten Son, to reconcile us to the Father, and he shares the privilege of sonship with us. If that doesn't astound you, I don't know what will. And again, he invites us to approach him as our Father. The Lord's Prayer, in some circles, simply called the Our Father. That's how Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, Our Father, chart in heaven. As we begin to dig deeper, we understand that we have a special privilege to not only call him Father, but to call him Abba Father, that sense of more intimacy. It's not to make fun of any tradition. It's not to, to make fun of, make sport of any tradition, but but I can't help but think in those circles where the dad is called father or some people where their dad is called sir just doesn't have that same resonance that Abba, father, has. My daddy, my near God, the one who I trust, the one who I rely on, the one who loves me so deeply. The child comes to the father expressing adoration, expressing utter dependence, and even weakness. Think of Jesus in the garden. At that intense moment of temptation, that intense moment when he knows that the cross is near. Abba, Father, All things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Abba, Father, minister to me. Let me trust in your will. That's Jesus himself. And then for the saints, Paul writes in Romans 8.15, You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Galatians 4, 6, because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And our Abba hears our voice. He hears our voice. He won't turn a deaf ear to his children. Think of some of the things you know from scripture, that that wonderful parable of the desperate widow who goes to the judge over and over again, pleading pleading to be released from the oppression of her enemy. The very point of that parable is that, no, you are not that desperate widow, desperate as we may be, and God is not that, not that, care, that, that, that judge that doesn't care about people. He's your heavenly father. You are a child. He is your father. He's not a father that if you ask him for bread will give you a stone or a scorpion or a serpent. He'll give you what you need according to his will. So that's almost regular prayer attended by the Holy Spirit in Christ through Christ alone. 
So in Christ, we're perfectly capable of prayer, but there are times when prayer is immensely difficult, where we struggle with prayer. I can't help but think of those little toddlers, children that are just beginning to speak, but they can't articulate what they really want. And they, they try to ask, and they, they say something that no one can understand. They're on the brink of speaking, but they can't articulate what they want, and they get so frustrated. And they get so frustrated inside that, that all they can do, even the sweetest child can become inconsolable, and they just cry. And we can be like that. Sometimes we could just cry because we don't even know how to express the deep things that are going on in our souls. And so conscious prayer is deep enough, but, but the ministry of the Holy Spirit takes us even deeper. From the deepest depths. If you go back to our passage now a little earlier, what I did read earlier, There's this groaning, this groaning deep down within us. This is verses 19 and 20. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in, in hope. Keep reading. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. And that's talking about the completion of our redemption and the completion of our adoption. We're already in Christ redeemed. We're already his children. John Stott, the English preacher and theologian who who passed, wrote this. Even we who are no longer in Adam but in Christ, we who no longer live according to the flesh but have the first fruits of the Spirit, we in whom God's new creation has already begun, even we continue to groan inside ourselves as we wait eagerly the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. This is our Christian dilemma caught in the tension between what God has inaugurated by giving us his spirit and what he will consummate in our final adoption and redemption. We groan with discomfort and longing. The indwelling spirit gives us joy and the coming glory gives us hope. But the interim suspense gives us pain. And so we come to God, and sometimes we don't know what to pray. And in our weakness, we need the Holy Spirit to help us in our feeble flesh and our distracted minds. We come in our weakness and our weak prayers, but the Holy Spirit helps us. We come in our confusion even when we don't know what to say. But we can be assured that the Holy Spirit knows us better than we even know ourselves and knows our deepest needs. I don't know if you've ever had those moments of of confusion where you simply don't know what to pray. Where your heart maybe is so broken, 
or you're facing something that you never imagined that you would face in your life. I can only relate one story. I'm sure there are others, but I remember when I found my own grandmother passed away in her bed. And I told my mother, and I strangely immediately started cleaning the house, but that's not the point. I started to pray. I got down on my knees, paused from starting to clean up the house, and I started to pray. And all I could pray, and I don't know why, was, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. I knew that I wasn't praying for mercy for my grandmother, but I just kept praying, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. And I don't know why. But I believe that the Holy Spirit was taking my sad, repetitive, weak prayer and making sense of it before the throne of heaven. That's when we don't know what to say, but our passage also tells us that there are prayers simply that words cannot pray. Something far deeper that only the Holy Spirit can actually do, and it's constant, and he constantly is praying for us from the depths of our souls, we might say, in harmony with our own souls, with our own groanings. You think about the Holy Spirit as your intercessor. We think about Jesus as our intercessor, and that's, that's right. But the Scottish theologian puts it this way, and he's spot on. John Murray says that the children of God have two divine intercessors. Christ is their intercessor in the court of heaven, while the Holy Spirit is the intercessor in the theater of their own hearts. Jesus, our intercessor, knows how to relate and to sympathize with our temptations, with our struggles, because he came in our flesh and now, seated at the right hand of God, still bears our flesh and can intercede sympathetically with all of our needs. But the Holy Spirit also sympathizes with our deepest needs, connecting with us in a way that is so far beyond our understanding, touching us at the core of our being again in harmony with our own selves, praying with us even when we can't articulate anything. With perfect intercession, even when we can't well up in ourselves, and even when we don't even understand what's best for ourselves, the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. Well, we can certainly feel like our efforts and our prayers are weak. Don't give up. Discipline yourself to pray. Be praying people. But also know that there is a constant prayer by the Holy Spirit touching the depths of your needs deeper than you can know. There's a hymn written by a poet, a missionary named Ellen Gura. I'm not sure I'm saying her name right. Perhaps this is a good lullaby for the close of the Lord's Day. But it reminds me that when we are in the secret place with God, it seems that that's where the Spirit touches us most deeply. So I'm going to read the entire 
poem or hymn to you. So bear with me. In the secret place of his presence, how my soul delights to hide. Oh, how precious are the lessons which I learn at Jesus' side. Earthly cares can never vex me, neither trials lay me low. For when Satan comes to tempt me, to the secret place I go. To the secret place I go. When my soul is faint and thirsty neath the shadow of his wing, there is cool and pleasant shelter and a fresh and crystal spring. And my soul rests beside me as we hold communion sweet. I'm I'm sorry, and my Savior rests beside me as we hold communion sweet. If I tried, I could not utter what he says when thus we meet. What he says when thus we meet. Only this I know. I tell him all my doubts, my griefs, and fears. Oh, how patiently he listens, and my drooping soul he cheers. Do you think he ne'er reproves me? What a false friend he would be if he never, never told me of the sins which he must see, of the sins which he must see. Would you like to know the sweetness of the secret of the Lord? Go and hide beneath his shadow. This shall then be your reward. And whene'er you leave the silence of that happy meeting place, you must mind and bear the image of the master in your face of the master in your face. I can say with confidence that the Lord will meet you there. He'll meet you there. And even when you can't express yourself, the Holy Spirit is interceding on your behalf with groans deeper than words could ever express. Let's pray. Lord, even now, as we consider the depths of your knowledge of us, Lord, we can't help but pause in wonder of that. That you, as our Heavenly Father, know us so perfectly well, and you know exactly what we need, even before we ask. To know that you, Jesus, even as you reign on the throne, you sympathize with all of our temptations and our trials. And Holy Spirit, we can't help but marvel how deeply you know us, deeper than we know ourselves, touching the very core of our being. We hardly know how to express our gratitude for that. But we're so thankful for the constant intercession of our Savior Jesus, the Holy Spirit, Lord, help us to pray because for many of us we find it tremendously difficult. But we know how much we need to pray, how dependent we are upon you each and every day. Help us to pray. And we're so thankful to know that even when we're without words and totally perplexed, that we still have the Holy Spirit crying from the depths of our being, Abba, Father, with groans deeper than words can ever express. We come to you in the name of our Savior, Jesus, who taught us to call you our Father, Abba, Father. Amen.